Hi, and welcome back to OA On Air, the official podcast of O'Neill & Associates. I'm Kyan Isaacson. This week, we've got 321 Go with Cosmo Macero. Then, Suzanne Morse interviews Katie Boston and her attorney, Jay Elwanger, on her ongoing case and the Time's Up movement. And in two minutes with Tom, we're talking about the new Prime Minister of the UK, Boris Johnson. First up, 321 Go. Let's talk about something important. Hello and welcome to 321 Go on OA On Air, our weekly look into the world of public affairs, culture, business, and the economy. I'm your host, Cosmo Macero. In this installment of 321 Go, we'll talk about the compensation fund for 9-11 first responders and the long fight to get Washington lawmakers to finally take proper action. And we talk to O'Neill & Associates digital and social media experts about the wildly popular face app and if security and privacy concerns are a real issue for Americans who love to play with the thing. Finally, the brutal heat wave we were promised did not disappoint. But who said anything about a tornado? Devastating winds touched down on Cape Cod and sure enough, some incredible images and video have everyone talking, including us. Joining me here on 321 Go is Kyan Isaacson. Hello. The official voice of OA on air. Kyan, how are you? I am good. How are you? Excellent, excellent. I understand you're planning a weekend at the beach. I am. Going down to Marshfield. On the South Shore. Marshfield? Mm-hmm. You kidding me? I'm the king of Marshfield. We're going to be neighbors. Yeah, like we're going to be days. neighbors. Awesome. <laughs> All right, let's get to it. All right, Kyan, the U.S. Senate with a veto-proof majority has finally passed a bill uh, to ensure that a fund set up to compensate 9-11 victims, families, and first responders never runs out of money, something that, believe it or not, was at risk of happening, benefit payments. Uh, the fund had been depleted significantly. Benefit payments had been reduced by up to 70%. And one of the leading advocates, maybe the leading advocate uh, in terms of visibility, uh for um, replenishing this fund and its critical mission was comedian, commentator, former Daily Show star, John Stewart, right? Yes. Um, number of compelling, persuasive, powerful, impactful speeches he gave to Congress. Your thoughts on his leadership in this issue? Um, I've always been a fan of John Stewart, but never more than watching him give that speech uh, yeah. to Congress a few weeks ago. I famously said, as I sit here today, I can't help but think what an incredible metaphor this room is for the entire process that getting health care and benefits for 9-11 responders has come to. Behind me, a filled room of 9-11 responders and in front of me, a nearly empty Congress. He testified to a it was not a full house um, in the hearing. And I think yeah. it was really yeah. unfortunate. It was embarrassing for, sure. Um, I'm sure, the branch. Uh, happy to see that it got done. This is such a no-brainer, the fact that there are even two votes against it. Um, Mike Lee from Utah and Rand Paul from Kentucky are the two votes, two people that said no to doing this. You know, these people risked their lives. They didn't, they, you know, I can't, I don't want to get into it because it's so ridiculous, but I'm, I'm very glad it happened. This was the right thing to do. Um, and while we're naming John Stewart, I do think it's important that we name that the, uh, the fund is named in honor of three responders who died from 9-11, uh, James Zadroga from 
NYPD, Ray Pfeiffer, who's a firefighter, and Detective Luis Alvarez. So, um, and, and they fa- had friends and family all in, around. In the gallery. And, Absolutely. Yeah. 40,000 people more than have applied to the 9-11 Victim Compensation Fund that covers illnesses potentially related to being at the World Trade Center site. Um, and, and, you know, the thing about outrage and delivering outrage, it's its hard to do it without melodrama and, and, and sounding over the top. That's what I thought was so brilliant about Stewart here. He did outrage really well, and, and it was not melodramatic. It was very impactful, and it was and boy, and talk about talk about authentic and talk about shaming members of Congress into in, in, in in taking this vote. So uh, pretty pretty impressive, and uh, glad that got done. It shows you what the strength of having a really good advocate uh, helping you out does. I mean, we do a lot of that work here every day. And and the difference it makes when you have someone that can get up, that can testify, that can really champion your cause, do it well, and do it smart. Um, If anyone hasn't seen it, I would tell them to go find the clip of Jon Stewart testifying. It is absolutely worth your five minutes of time. Uh, and then there's a picture of him standing while Mitch McConnell walks by him getting ready to go, which is just classic and yeah. really great. So, um, yeah, congrats to them. All right. Done. Good stuff. Thanks. All right. Up next, we're joined by Shakir Gregory and Ashley Lockett, our in-house social media experts. Hey, gang, how we doing? Hey, Great. Cosmo, what's up? Excellent. All right, let's talk FaceApp. First of all, my kids are playing with the kid. They s- play with the thing. They send me a picture of myself manipulated, and I hated the thing. So I'm not, I, I'm not <laughs> one too. of the people who are obsessed with FaceApp. I hate the thing. I, look, I think it's crazy. Yeah. Um, I don't want to know what I'm going to look like when I'm almost dead. <laughs> um, or, or otherwise manipulated. Have you tried the baby filter? So there's, yeah, exactly. No thanks. <laughs> so there's that. But people are having fun with this app. Basically, you manipulate your image mm-hmm. so it looks very credibly like you have advanced in age or have a different look, different set of features, whatever. Mm-hmm. The concern is, oh, it's owned by a Russian company and there are privacy issues mm-hmm. and you are essentially licensing your image forever to some foreign entity that could use it for nefarious purposes. Yeah. True or false, we are all screwed for using this thing. I would say, on the one hand, while I love that we are getting more popularly concerned with where our data is going and where our Im- and images of ourselves are going, um, I would say that this one is a little bit more um, myth than fact. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, Ashley, but um, all of the FaceApp servers are owned by Amazon, so mm-hmm. they're here in the Their United States. The it's US. not like they're sending this directly to the Russian government. And despite what happened in the 2016 election, I'm a little wary about every Russian company now receiving additional scrutiny. I feel like it's a little unfair fair. And I'd say my final thought on that, too, is if you're now concerned about where your face is going, a lot of those folks who are using FaceApp now also use Snapchat face filters, also use iPhone and emojis, and they're collecting scans of your face just like FaceApp is. And isn't, Ashley, isn't everything, every image of myself I post on, say, Facebook also basically licensed for them to use in any way they want? Facebook is definitely, definitely keeping your face. That's why you have to... (laughs) (laughs) That's why you have to make sure that you're always aware of the privacy settings of your Facebook profiles, your social media profiles. And while it's hundreds of pages and no one's practically going to do it, 
you should check out or, or check out the journalists who are actually reading the uh, user agreements that you say yes to every time you agree to use some software because they tend to sneak in that stuff and sometimes you'll you'll find later on that you don't own <laughs> any image that you say upload to a certain site or any image that um, is collected by Snapchat. I remember there was an issue way back when that a lot of um, explicit photos were being sent on Snapchat and they were actually being stored somewhere and so when that database was hacked there was a major leak of uh, inappropriate photos of people and no one knew that Snapchat was storing all of those things but they agreed to it so I'd say my big point with all of that stuff is be careful of where you're sharing your image and be careful of what you're agreeing to. Ashley, two or three basic tips for people who are concerned about online pri uh, privacy when it comes to their images. Yeah, so number one, prepare for that information to always be accessible, accessible to people. Um, definitely check your privacy settings and just know that if you, put, if you put your face out there, someone will be able to see it. Yeah, that's good advice. I never check my privacy settings. I think I know what they are, but I should check them on all the apps that I use. Yeah, definitely. All right, Shakir and Ashley, thanks so much. Thanks for having Thank us. Thank you. All right, Kyan, let's talk about Cape Cod, one of the great treasures of Massachusetts. But these days, well, if the sharks don't get you, the tornado's going to tear the roof off your hotel and send you out into the 100-plus degree heat. Beth Titel of the Boston Globe called it Hell Week on Cape Cod. Um, poor we've Cape Cod. Poor Cape Cod, one of my favorite places. Um, we, we've talked about the heat already, and, and, and we've, everyone has just sort of been monitoring the summer of the shark. Um, let's face it, the waters of Cape Cod are infested with a shark. It's the shark-infested waters of, of Massachusetts. Well, just is. We're not going to put that on a billboard. No, soon. but it is. But then this week, actually not one, but two tornadoes confirmed touchdown on Cape Cod, yep. causing some quick, devastating, not in the way that, say, the 2011 Springfield tornado was, but shocking nonetheless. Um, and some of it we experienced through some, some, some remarkable video and, and, and imagery. Um, what did you think? And, and by the way, what's with tornadoes in Massachusetts? This is not Kansas. I don't know. I, tornadoes scare me. Like, I, I can deal with just about any other thing that Mother Nature wants to throw at us, but tornadoes have always terrified me, um, which is one of the reasons why I enjoy living here. That I, I can't even begin to tell you how scared I would have been if I was there. But what's really interesting is it used to be that, you know, you had these, like, tornado chasers, right, that would go out and they would take yeah. video and people thought they were crazy. But now, to your point, because of cell phones and social media, Everyone's everybody's a, a tornado chaser. Oh, yeah. And the videos that they were able to capture, it used to be that only, like, scientists were out there or crazy people. Um, but people just using their phones, hiding out in a room or in their basement or on a sailboat, it's captured, I mean, captured as, it all. As tornado videos go, you know, not, not, not to... to uh, um, minimize the most common American experience, the plains of Kansas or Nebraska or the Midwest or wherever where, you know, you've seen one farmhouse torn to shreds, you've seen them all. Um, you know, until, I mean, I feel like the most unbelievable tornado video on record still has to be the 2011 Springfield tornado where the Connecticut River literally is sucked up into the air like yeah. some biblical movie, right? It's very scary. It's very, very terrifying. Yeah. And there's people on the bridge while this is happening. Okay, I gotta tell you, 
This the Cape Sands Hotel. There's that video, right? Uh, video gets posted, and it's a motel you see on Route 28 in the Cape, and there it is, and all of a sudden, there's the roof gone, ripped yep. off, with people in the hotel, kind of like something you'd see like on a cartoon, except it's real. Miraculously, no one killed or even really seriously injured. Yeah. Uh, I, all things aside, the Cape fared as well as we could have hoped for. Yeah. A lot of tree damage, a lot of down, a lot coming of down, lost. everyone seems to be okay. And, you know, people love the Cape. And yeah. it, it, you don't have to be from here to love the Cape. I think people that come to, from far and wide, the Cape will be okay. It will rebuild. I honestly it will think be the summer. Than ever. Um, we can call it the summer. Rough, of, yeah, it's been sorry. a rough summer for the Cape. We can call it the summer of Sharknado. Now, I think the summer of Sharknado, long term, will be an asset to the Cape. Right now, it's, it's really wrecking things. but It's it, tough, but... Yeah. Uh, there's there's too much love for the Cape. I yeah. think it'll be. I think we'll be all right. Agreed. All right, Cayenne. Thanks a lot. Have a great weekend on Marshfield. Thank you. All right, that's going to do it for this week's edition of Three Two One Go. Our program is recorded in Studio One O A, just off the historic Tip O'Neill Room, at our building in the heart of Government Center, Boston, Massachusetts. Thanks for listening. Goodbye till next time. I'm Cosmo Macero. That's it for 321 Go. Up next, an interview with Katie Boston and her attorney. This is Suzanne Morris, Vice President at O'Neill and Associates. I'm on the line with uh, Catherine Boston and Jay Elwanger. Katie recently filed a lawsuit against Orthofix Medical, um, in which Jay assisted her um, after she endured some. Uh, sexual harassment from her previous employer, Options Medical, who, who Orthofix now owns. Um, welcome to both Katie and Jay. I appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today. Yeah, um, thanks for having us. Of course. Thank you. Absolutely. Um, Katie, can you tell us a little bit about what happened while you were working at Options Medical? Yeah. Yeah, so I was doing medical device sales, and um, yeah, part of my job entailed working with patients, and then the other part uh, was working with surgeons. And uh, I had issues with one surgeon in particular um, who on numerous occasions uh, sexually assaulted me. And the first time this happened, um, it was at the hospital and I was obtaining signatures from him for mm. our product. And when he walked away from me, he just kissed me mm. uh, out of nowhere on his own um, and left, didn't say anything about it just did it, walked away. After this happened, I called my manager and discussed what happened with her. And unfortunately, uh, I thought, you know, her reaction would be shock or surprise and, you know, that we should talk to him or we should call somebody or get somebody involved. But instead, her reaction was to tell me about how he'd done something similar to her and how when she'd worked with him once, he held her in an elevator and how embarrassing it was when the doors opened and mm. people saw him, you know, clinging on to her and kind of groping her. Um, so I kind of, you know, got in this fog of working with this guy and he would, you know, his actions stayed the same and they got worse. 
and I would get in the routine of getting sexually assaulted, uh, tell my manager about it. Once again, she'd share a similar story. Um, and it finally got to a point where one of the last times uh, I saw him, he put his hand down my shirt mm. and grabbed my bare breast. And when I called my manager about it, uh, her first reaction was to laugh. Yeah. And that was, uh, that was kind of a breaking point for me. I was already in a bad place, and that was finally like the last straw. Understandably, I mean, I think um, I've I've heard you tell that story before, and it still stuns me that anyone could react to an assault by laughing. So, um, yeah, we should also say that the Options Medical was a woman-owned business. Or- yes, and unfortunately, this I hope this is a rare case, but my manager was not only a female, but as you said, the owner of the company was a female, and the owner of the company um, actually promoted this type of behavior Mm. and had an air about her that, you know, do whatever it takes. And she had said some pretty horrific things to one of my coworkers about what she needed her to do to obtain business that put her in a compromising position. So, um, eventually you, you left the company and, um, I know that you were in search of an attorney. It took a little while um, talk yeah. a little bit about that process and talk a little bit about how the Times Up Legal Defense Fund um, was important to helping you find an attorney to help you through this process. Yeah, so looking for an attorney was something new to me. Um, so at first, I just went by word of mouth recommendations from friends. And I searched for about a year to find the right attorney. Um, and it wasn't until I kind of connected with Times Up and got referrals from their website that I was able to find the right attorney. Um, For anybody who might be in a similar situation, I would recommend going towards something like Times Up or making sure who you're talking to um, focuses on, you know, cases like this. Right. Uh, Because it's hard sharing your story. you know, with strangers, and then it's hard sharing them with somebody who, you know, you possibly want to work with. And um, I feel like the attorneys that have been vetted through Times Up have done the work to find people who are good at working with women in the or men right. in these kind of situations. Um, because it's one thing going through it, but then it's another thing having to stand up and then fight for it. You know, it's really um, it's pretty trying on your on yourself so it's good to find people who are used to working with situations like this absolutely um what what other pieces of advice would you give to women who've experienced the kind of harassment and assault essentially that you um experienced or i guess i should say alleged assault yeah the best advice i can give is don't keep something like this if you're in a similar situation don't keep it a secret um And if you're discussing it with people who are telling you it's okay, like uh, what was happening in my situation, talk to other people. And whether it's an attorney or a therapist, get surround yourself with people who will promote protecting yourself from situations like this. And just 
that's the biggest thing. Do not keep it a secret because people, the surgeon got away with his behavior for so long because everybody, it was a well-known secret, but it was still a secret. And once it becomes a habit, then this just continues to happen. And I think that's the best thing you can do for yourself. And it's the best thing you can do for the person after you. I think that's good advice. Um, Jay, Jay L. Wanger, who is an attorney at um, L. uh, L. Wanger Law, LLP. You are the one who is handling Katie's case. Um, Tell us about what will happen next with the lawsuit, which you filed in June. Uh, First of all, Suzanne, thanks so much for having me on the podcast and and really appreciate you and O'Neill and Associates shedding a light on both Katie's story and also stories like Katie's uh, because they're all too prevalent in the workplace today. Um, In terms of of next steps for her lawsuit, um, now that we have filed uh, against both her uh, former employer and also the uh, large company that acquired her former employer, uh, those companies will have a chance to answer the lawsuit, uh, formally file any motions that they'd like to to try to fight the lawsuit. Um, but then once that's done, we're going to enter a period of discovery. And I think that that is a, a really important part of this lawsuit because it's going to be a chance for Katie to get some answers yeah. uh, from the people that harassed her, from the people that covered up that harassment, from the people that retaliated against her for reporting the harassment. Um all of those folks are going to have to answer questions under oath about what they did and why they did it. And I think that that's an important part for any survivor uh, to go through. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that, you know, I've worked with um, enough victims of uh, sexual abuse to know that getting some of those answers are really important to helping um, a survivor heal from that experience. So that's, I think, very true. Um what uh, you're an attorney obviously so what would your your advice be um and i think you've worked on a previous case with the times up legal defense fund what would your um advice be to women who are going through this experience and are looking for an attorney to help them well i think the times up is a a great place to start they are a uh, a great organization that connects um all victims of sexual harassment and sexual assault with uh, PR firms and, and law firms that are very experienced in handling these kinds of cases, and I think experience counts. Um, but even before reaching out to a lawyer uh, or Time's Up, I think it's important for uh, folks to come forward um, to report what's happening to them, whether it's uh, to a, a company's 1-800 number or to human resources or even just to a manager or a supervisor. It's really important to document Uh, the abuse that's going on in the workplace. Um, The one thing you always want to make sure that doesn't happen is that a company is able to say, well, we had no idea this was going on. What could we do? And when you report what's going on, that takes away that defense. And that's hugely important in any legal proceeding. I think that's a very, very important point to make. So thank you very much. Katie Boston, J.L. Wenger, thank you for joining us on OAR on air today. We appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thank you very much to Katie and her attorney for joining us. Up next, Two Minutes with Tom. I can. Hi, Tom. Two Minutes with Tom. It was two and a half minutes last week, I think. <laughs> I you want to go for a record? I think it was like five minutes. <laughs> anyway, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. So, the UK has a new prime minister. 
Boris Johnson. In the face of Brexit. Yes, mm-hmm. they have. And he's promised to bring it right to the final stage, and if they can't conclude a, a settlement between the EU and, and Great Britain, then they're going to uh, just do away with it. Which, you know, I'm not an economist, but I read newspapers, and from the Wall Street Journal to the New York Times to the Washington Post, everybody says that it would be the wrong thing to do. And, a pretty traumatic effect on the economy of not only England but you know all of Europe ultimately. So it's 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 worth watching. You know these next sixty days as to what is in fact going to happen. With he our has new Prime Minister Boris Johnson promised to do what Theresa May could not get done. Is that's what he's saying. He, that's right, and he got elected, you know, by the conservative element from within within his own party. And that's what they wanted him. That's what they want to hear from him, and that's what apparently he's going to do. But there are other major issues. I mean, we've got trade issues going on with Boris Johnson, which will begin next week between the United States and and uh, Great Britain. Um, and um, actually, it'll be it'll be uh, London and uh, England as opposed to Great Britain. But um, it, it's it's it, he's got a lot on his plate. He's a new man. He comes from a very, very different kind of background of mayor, flamboyant. And, um, you know, he's known to be somebody who's, who uses hyperbole. Mm-hmm. And, uh, sounds like someone else we know. It sounds exact. Well, the, the world is kind of saturated with that type of yeah. individual now, started with our own president here in the United States. But let's see what happens. I mean, he is the prime minister. He has been voted in by his party. And consequently, they have been voted in by their people. So let's see what happens. I mean, they have a process of government that's worked for a few hundred years and uh, pretty and pretty ably. But he and does not remind me of Winston Churchill. No. No, he does <laughs> There are a lot of mixed opinions on him, though. There are. And, and you know, family and friends of his swear by him. Um, so give the man his due. But to the, to the casual and to the historic observer... He's so different. They're wondering where that, where that where that difference will lead England and the Great Britain people. You've taken a real interest in Brexit from the beginning. I have. So we will continue to follow this. Yeah, well, my, my interest is not only trade and the impacts amongst the other European states, but, you know, to break off as a major piece of the EU, it's like breaking up the United States of America. It would be like it would be like the state of New York coming out of the out of the Union, or it'd be like California or Texas coming out of the Union, because it has that kind of magnitude, uh, economically speaking. So to go it alone, I understand they want their identity. I understand they want to provide world leadership. Those are dreams of past years, and you know to become part of, and a significant piece of a whole, uh, as they had been, and, and to walk away from that. It's a little bewildering to me, but you know, I'm not there. <laughs> we'll check back in. Uh, we will. We will. And of months. course, the Brexit conditions on Ireland are, are, are of great interest to me as well, yeah. because if it's a if it's a hard break, chances are you know we we go back to the old way of getting in and out of of Northern Ireland from the Republic of Ireland, which will which will create great great concern I think amongst all the Irish people. So, you know, Brexit is of, of concern to me, and it's of concern certainly to 
everybody living in that area of the world. Well, thanks, Tom. Okay, you're very welcome. That's it for this week's episode of OA on Air. Don't forget to subscribe on whatever your favorite listening platform may be. You can also check us out on our own O'Neill & Associates website. Talk to you next week.